Welcome to another episode of the Bigger Pole Collective with Caveman and Seppo. Today we'll be previewing week 16 of the NFL season. We're here to show you all the best bets to make and the stats and numbers to back these up. As always, we're sponsored by Black Swan Bets. Get on to BlackSwanBets.com for all your tipping needs across a variety of sports. Black Swan Bets Smart Stake takes all the hassle out of betting, giving an algorithmic approach for you to expand your wallet. And make sure to jump onto our Facebook page to get all of our updates straight away, including our great free picks. So our first game this week, we have the Bucks at the Lions. We've got the Lions plus 10, although this has come off the board in some books, and a total sitting at 54. This game is very hard to call. Not really sure what's happening with the quarterback situation with the Lions. Matthew Stafford looks like he's still dealing with that injury. The Bucks are in an absolute must-win situation. This game could get ugly fast. It could, and it could get ugly in a multitude of ways. I can see the Bucks pulling the same shit that they pulled last week against the Falcons and have 10 to 0 points at halftime and then really just blow the doors off the barn and end up getting a 31 and just destroying the Lions. I can see this being close. I can see a blowout. I can see Brady playing horribly and throwing three picks, but they still somehow win. I don't think the Lions are going to win, but I'm staying away from this game other than player props once they actually get released. Yeah, so Ronald Jones is going to be out again, and that really sucks for the Bucks because the Lions have been terrible against the run. Len Finette showed last week that he is not a very good running back at all at this stage of his career. He's okay in receiving the ball out of the backfield, and he can do a wee bit of work towards the goal line, but he's not that guy that's going to be driving the ball down the field, which is what you need to be doing against the Lions. If you continue to throw on them, you're going to end up in a shootout. And if it is Matthew Stafford that plays, Stafford is well able to keep pace against any team in the NFL when he gets into a shootout. It's a shame that Stafford has been part of so many bad teams, somewhat his fault at times, but he can really participate in that shootout. It's just that when it's a close game, he doesn't really pull through. It's that coming back and scoring that last touchdown in a 50-point game instead of beating the Bears, the Vikings, the Packers, divisional games when it's close. So that's kind of why I'm iffy about this game because with his health, you can't really touch it too early at all. The Lions have been playing better. They haven't been able to hold up long-term throughout the game, but the first half, second half against the Packers, against the Titans, they've been kind of hanging around. Their skill position guys are decent. Their line's decent. The defense isn't very good, but that offense – can perform. So it'll be interesting to see which offense comes to play for both teams. Yeah, the Lions offense is good. The Lions defense is absolutely horrific. The Bucks pass defense is a 
abysmal. They absolutely have no pass defense at all. The only reason their pass defense was good at the start of the season was because they were creating pressure up the middle with Vitavere and they were forcing quarterbacks into bad throws. Now that they can't get that pressure, they just aren't able to stop anyone from throwing the ball. They still have a great run defense. They, they can stop the run from anyone but they're not able to stop people from passing on them. And that leads to over. You know, you've got Tom Brady on the other side with all the weapons in the world. So this is an over team, basically has been for the last few weeks and will be for the rest of the season. You just can't hit the over until you know Stafford is actually behind because then you're, oh, Chase Daniel time. Uh, I hope there's some... Pick sixes kind of involved here. I do worry about Brady's accuracy as it seems that the Bucks beat themselves more than other defenses beat them. Uh, this is the case when they lost to Chicago early in the year, which we were on. It was more Brady than the Chicago D. It is quite interesting as well that you say that about the Bucks' pass defense. Because if you remember, they were the number one pass defense second half of last year. They had all these young guys unproven but people are talking them up and I was like what no hold your horses this is not that talented of a secondary yes they may have played pretty well but I think that was more pass rush and d-line so then once that pass rush and d-line goes away secondary is exposed for what they actually were the entire time yeah so on the lines they are dealing with a serious amount of injuries so their o-line is a complete disarray at the moment. There's question marks over almost every single player on that O-line. First string, second string, everyone looks banged up. They've got a bunch of coaches in the COVID protocol. Darren Bevel might not even be coaching in this game. Wow, I didn't know he was part of that. Yeah, from what I've heard, he's uh, currently operating everything over Zoom calls. Well, the good news is that seems to just kind of disappear in the middle of games, especially lately with the Lions where they're in it and and then disappear. Or like his great, amazing call to not give the ball to Marshawn Lynch at the one-yard line, which I will never, ever forgive him for. Yeah, that was – let's not go into that. We could talk about that all day. Both the Lions and the Bucks have been really bad in the first quarter of games, the first quarter and the first halves. So this could be that type of game where you look at going under in the first half total and then over in the second half total. I really like that. That's a great idea. Usually Brady takes a little bit of time to get warmed up. You know, he is an old man. I'm getting up there in age and, I got to warm up and stretch just to stand around these days. So I can imagine take some some time to get loose as well. Brady only runs so many plays, but he needs to actually see the defense and how it's going to react to then adapt to which plays that he wants to run. Gronk is looking really, really good. I like Gronk to score second half touchdown in this game if you can find such a thing. Yeah, I believe there are uh, bits for that out there. If the Bucks get up big, I have this feeling they sit Brady in the fourth quarter 
which is the, one of those things that's just slightly pulling me off the over. Brady is 43 years old. He's not going to be able to sustain a full 16-game season plus playoffs anymore. So they are going to need to rest him either this week or next week, as if they do make those playoffs, they're going to be playing on wildcard weekend. That is great that you bring that up. I'm going to stay even farther away from this game, so I'm not dependent on Blaine Gabbert doing things or not doing things at the end of the game. That sounds like more Halloween than Christmas. <laughs> Player props in this game. So no lines have been released as of yet, uh, simply because they're not sure what's happening with the Lions quarterback situation and their coaching situation. But guys that I like the matchups for, Danny Amendola coming out of the slot. So Russell Gage had himself a day last week. And I think Amendola can continue that. Now, with Amendola, he is a receptions guy, not a yards guy. I've been on Amendola a couple of times in selected spots throughout the season, and it's always been really good. You just need to keep an eye out for the good matchup, and he gets a good one this week. Indeed, definitely the receptions over the yards as well. He's more talented than Russell Gage, so... Not a surprise that that's a good bet there. We have Marvin Jones Jr. He'll be going up against Jamal Dean, I believe it is, on the outside. So he should get a pretty decent matchup there. And we have TJ Hawkinson, who is always good for a few receptions. Yeah, I also like his to score touchdown at 3-1. to Pretty good odds there. He's been playing pretty well as of late. I don't know if you can do that without Stafford actually being the quarterback, though. So another one you would have to wait on. On the Bucks side of the ball, the Bucks are very hard to call. I don't want to go near Leonard Fournette's yardage, but for him to get into the end zone could be a decent week there. He got two touchdowns last week. You've got Gronkowski, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, all with really good matchups this week. I think Evans gets the worst of it, but he's always a threat in the red zone. There's no pass rush coming, so Gronk to score a touchdown could be really good and to go over his receptions total. Chris Godwin is always solid through that slot. Antonio Brown had a good game last week. The only problem is there's so many mouths to feed. You just can't nail on who's going to be getting the ball on a week-to-week basis. Exactly, especially against a team who doesn't have a standout cornerback where you can be like, hey, that's a matchup they're going to take away, so let's focus on these two out of the three. This is a three out of the three or even four out of the four where – There's not really that value that stands out that's screaming, hey, I'm the matchup. Personally, I think Brown is going to get a little more of the ball. I think he's going to play a few more snaps. I think he's going to be tried to get forced involved as he's not been amazing, and they might try to really get that going before the playoffs as well as they're up early. Yeah, big time. It's just so hard to see who's going to get up 
I personally think Brown is going to be getting better as the playoffs come in as well. So we could definitely be looking there, but I wouldn't be putting a dollar that I earn my money on onto betting on which way Tom Brady's going to throw the ball. Exactly. It's just way too much risk. He's pulled that shit in New England plenty of times where you just got to wait and see. Might be some decent live bet player props if you have access to those or not, but I'm not going to get on any of those until I actually see what's going on. And even then probably staying away because that first half, second half disparity that there is sometimes. Given that, it might be a good idea to, if you are getting live player props, don't bet them until the second quarter when everything's gone down by then and we'll go back up. Absolutely. Mike Evans is always a good shout to go under yardage over receptions and a touchdown, but that's getting very, (laughs) very picky on that one. So the next matchup, we have the 49ers at the Cardinals. We have the Cardinals minus five and a total of 48 and a half in this one. This one started out a few points lower. The Cardinals minus three and has been blown out. Now the 49ers have looked terrible over the last three weeks and the Cardinals look like they're about to go on a playoff run. Exactly. Yet I love Sam Fran to actually be able to keep this game close score some points. Arizona defense has not been playing well, no matter who they're playing against. And as I say every week, that 49er scheme is going to win out eventually. Although I can understand why Mullins has been playing instead of Beathard. I actually like CJ. I think he's going to play well, or he's going to be very trick-or-treat at the worst, where you're going to get a pick six, which helps the over as well. So the Cardinals last week... They had a great offensive day on paper. When you actually watch the game, they did not play that well at all. Turnovers absolutely crushed them. And there's a good chance that could continue until this week. You're going to have DeAndre Hopkins matched up against Richard Sherman, which I actually go slight advantage Hopkins but it's not a great matchup either way. You've got the decent enough run defense from the 49ers and a very bad run game for the Cardinals. The only advantage is the 49ers haven't been able to stop any running quarterbacks. So Kyler Murray should be able to get out of the pocket and have himself a nice wee day on his feet. Exactly, and even though I don't like Murray being able to throw against this defense usually, with that 49ers pass rush being a little bit depleted, not what it was last year, I think Murray will also be able to get outside the pocket and make some throws. I don't think it's going to be running every time. I do like the rush yards over, as we'll get to later, uh, but I think there's some value in his yardage as well. I don't know about his completions. As you said before, I see the Cardinals running game not being too good against the 49ers defense that can stop the run. But the 49ers linebacking crew is just so poor. So Dan Arnold, Kyler Murray, they're going to really eat up. Absolutely. Now, talking about tight ends up against poor linebacking core, 
we have a potential George Kittle return this week, oh. which is a huge advantage for the 49ers. Personally, with two weeks left of the season and no chance of making the playoffs, I just shut Kittle down for the rest of the season. But if he comes out and he plays, he is going to have himself a day. You know he's not that type of player that if he thinks he can play, he's out there. He's not about getting shut down. He's trying to run over people every single time he catches the ball, no matter what the score is. So if he is healthy, that is worth probably a point or two just in of itself, as I actually have him being better than Travis Kelsey, who is one of the best receivers in football right now. So that's how dangerous he is. Travis Kelsey is right up there with Derrick Henry and the non-quarterback MVP. Uh, I actually put Kelsey as the best non-quarterback MVP in the league this year. I do as well, and yeah, I have Henry second. Uh, I wonder what the people in the offseason, depending on what happens in the playoffs, are going to say about that Henry contract when they're all making fun of it last year, when he's been guaranteed he's going to be above, make your team above average on offense. Absolutely. Now, the Cardinals have been playing as an over team of late at home. Their last six home games have gone over the total. The 49ers with that injured defense and quick fire offense that Kyle Shanahan attack can definitely score some points. So over 48 and a half looks a solid enough bet in this one. It really does. And once again, I think the 49ers offense is going to be able to function just as it normally does. Kyle Shanahan has said a few times, I don't know if he has publicly, but I've definitely heard privately that he thinks any quarterback that he coaches for long enough and has some talent can run the system. I think he's going to eventually try to not have a named quarterback and just run a system. They just got so many injuries, especially on defense and the offensive line this year. I only worry that the 49ers offensive line gets another injury, and then it's just too hard to play against anyone. But pretty big if. Should be fine, like the over. Staying away from the spread as 49ers could keep this close. Arizona, as you said before, turns the ball over too damn much. So C.J. Beathard is going to be the quarterback. Do you know who's going to be the backup there, Seppo? Oh, oh. I do not, even though I did read. Who is it? Josh Rosen. Oh, yeah, that's right, because they had to sign someone off a practice squad. Off the Tampa Bay practice squad. Sign someone off the street. And it's funny that there was a press release about that, because that's basically saying, like, we really didn't want to do this, but we kind of have to, which is a sad, sad state if you're Josh Rosen and you're logging onto the internet and you're like, oh, I wasn't their Cinderella. I was like, they're probably eighth choice, but I just get to be here. Yeah, some fall from grace from Josh Rosen. Three years ago, a first-round pick, and now just absolutely brutal. 
Yeah, I think it shows that there were some worries. He wasn't really committed to football early on, and that's definitely played out. That he has you know too many other interests. Doesn't matter how smart or talented you are, unless you're 100 percent into being a quarterback from high school. I would think. I don't know how he was. He must be amazing if he was that good without really giving a shit in high school and at UCLA of all places, which is shit at football. So Josh Rosen probably heaps of talent, just doesn't seem to really care. Absolutely. Now, player props in this one, Kyler Murray to go over 44 and a half rushing yards. That one seems quite nice. Now, Murray has been very poor on his feet over the last kind of five or six weeks. But this is the game where he's got every chance in the world to bounce back. Exactly. I like him, as I said before, on the ground and yards, not as much completions or attempts for them in their passing game. Hopkins I'm going to stay away from for obvious reasons. As you said, I might even hit the under as 79 and a half is just a bit much to a team where – I mean, Christian Kirk could go big. Fitz isn't going to go big, but he's going to get some targets. Tight ends are going to eat because this is a defense that can't really guard against tight ends, as you know. So receiving-wise, going to be interesting. Uh, any other receiving options that you like there as I don't like Kenyon Drake on the ground? So I don't really have anything else for the Cardinals, but on the 49ers – Brandon Ayuk, I've been high on this guy for a while now, and he looks every bit the talent that he should have been coming out of that draft. I think Ayuk is going to be a superstar of the future. So Brandon Ayuk, I don't have a number released yet, but both receptions and yards should be pretty good. I do prefer receptions on Ayuk, especially as we're expecting Debo Samuel out again. So Ayuk should be able to be the focal point of that attack. And then, of course, George Kittle. If it does say that he is going to be playing, you might have to wait until the inactives list an hour and a half before the game. But if George Kittle's playing... His numbers, I guarantee you, are going to be too low. Receptions, yards, touchdowns, the works, jump on everything for George Kittle because they will not have that high enough for him. Exactly. As I said before, if he's playing, he's 100%. They're not going to risk it otherwise. So he's going to be going hard. And it is an amazing matchup that he'd been healthy before the game. I also like Jeff Wilson don't love but like Jeff Wilson especially over nine and a half receiving yards they don't really have much else and they do throw some screens although they have been using use check lately so like me some use check once again and caveman you're so right about uh, I thought he was a terror I had him as you know a second round player and he might be the second or even possibly the You might not want to hear this, but he could be the best receiver in the class instead of your boy Jefferson. Wow, I wouldn't go that far. I'm not saying he is. Yeah, I I think this is we're going to be looking back in a few years, going, "Oh my God, what an incredible receiver class we were treated to." 
in this draft. You've got talents That's... like Jefferson, Ayuk, Chase Claypool. It, it goes Lamb. all the way down to the fifth. Yeah. Oh, C.D. Lamb's going to be a monster. A lot of these players with – and this is why I say this about Ayuk and, and C.D. Lamb. They haven't been in the ideal situation they were supposed to be in. So you haven't even seen them in the role with the quarterback, with offensive line that they will be having in the future. I can see Jefferson being the best wide receiver in the league in two years, or I can see him being the best in the class because there's just so much depth there. Really, really exciting for the league if the quarterbacks can stay healthy and a few of these, like Fields working out, Lance working out would be a big plus for the NFL as well. Yeah, well, you've also got that uh, young BYU guy coming in as well. Uh, Zach Wilson, is it? Uh, Let's go Wilson and Wilson, mate. Please, Sam Fran's another BYU quarterback. Let's repeat Steve Young. Let's get Wilson and Wilson, backfield of the future. Yeah, so... Boring, boring backfield of the future. The last uh, mock draft I saw actually had uh, Zach Wilson going second. Wow, that is... So I've looked at any mock drafts or anything since maybe second, third week of the season. Yeah, so that was a pro football focus mock draft as well. So guys that know what they're talking okay. about. Yeah, and usually the other NFL teams, one of them is going to the same way at all of those teams. Or it might be a trade-up situation, a Mitch Trubisky-esque, which I cannot wait to talk about that game later. Our next game up here, we have the Dolphins at the Raiders. This is going to be a, another Saturday night primetime match. You've got Miami minus three, a total of 48. I have a few leans in this game, but there is a good chance I will be fading it. I like the over a whole lot. I'm getting close to loving it. Got to look into a few more things, especially how the Dolphins are going to play on offense. The Raiders' defense is just so bad, and their pass rush is just so terrible that I think any game they're in, there's going to be 60% plus chance that it's going to go over. That's going to be a 50-point game. And you're telling me I get another two to somewhere two and a half extra points on that 50? I'm down with that. Uh, Dolphins have been playing better. Their defense on the outside is lights out, but the Raiders play a little differently on offense than most teams. They have a decent amount of weapons. Jacobs on the ground has been very inconsistent and hurt and banged up. Offensive line, eh. So staying away from the spread, but really liking this over. Yeah, I'm actually leaning the other way. I'm thinking I might be having a slight lean to the under in this game. I can't get a great read on it, but that Dolphins defense is absolutely legit. Definitely top five unit in the league. They haven't been great against the run, but they've been brilliant in every other part of the game. Xavier Howard is definitely actually in the conversation for defensive player of the year. 
I think Xavier Howard should be up there with TJ Watt and Aaron Donald uh, between those three for DPOY. I've got a slight lean to Miami minus the points as well, simply because the defense is strong. They're in a must-win situation to make the playoffs. Sure, the Raiders technically are still alive in that playoff hunt, but it's so slim. There's effectively, you know, 0.1 chance they make that. The Raiders team, like you say, the defense is horrific. They should be getting some of those starters back, so it's not going to be as terrible as it was last week. Their offense, you're still not sure whether we're going to be treated to another Marcus Mariota show or if Derek Carr is going to come back. Derek Carr, now he is actually in the end of his guaranteed money for his Mm. contract. So there's a really good chance that Carr might not even be here next year. Marcus Mariota could take over. I think he was signed on a two-year deal. You've got a chance of drafting. There's going to be about five or six rookies in the draft that should be able to come in and play. There's one guy that I actually really like, and he is a wee bit undervalued. He should end up going in the second or third round, which is where Gruden would want to pick a quarterback. And that's Alabama's Mac Jones. I think Jones is a better prospect than what Tua was coming out of college. All right. I like I like him as well. It's surprising that he's a second, third round prospect. I thought he would be like mid-first, late-first at least. He isn't that athletic, which teams are just going to shy away from with all the athletes you can get these days. But I don't see that affecting the actual offense. Look at how good the Colts have been, and Rivers can't move at all. But it doesn't matter because they have such a good core group. So I think the reason I like the Raiders and the over in this game, not necessarily the Raiders, but the Raiders to be involved in an over, they have on over 40 points in game this year other than the Browns game and that crazy storm. Every other game, 49 to 70 points. So this is a bet on the Dolphins at all. I'm just taking the Dolphins out of the equation, which is why I can't say I love it and I just really like it because that's not a great bet per se. So I'm going to try to look into the reason why the Dolphins offense would be particularly good. Will be an interesting game, but I think I like this maybe on a tier below that 49ers Cardinals game we were talking about earlier. So Henry Brooks is likely going to be out for this one again. The Dolphins have had a takeaway in 20 straight games now, which is a nice wee streak for them. And with the Dolphins, their game plan changes week to week. Brian Flores is a fantastic coach. He looks at each individual matchup, finds the mismatch, and just exploits it week after week after week. He's not one of these Anthony Lynn-type coaches 
who makes the same plays every week. Doesn't matter what the defense is doing. He just goes with the flow and I'll run the ball and then I'll air it out. And if it's not working, I'll pass to the running back. No, he, he looks at every single matchup and goes, right, this is where we're going to exploit this week. If he actually had a quarterback that could make those throws and be half decent, like his backup, Ryan Fitzpatrick, then he'd be an absolute playoff lock, and they probably already would have clinched by now. It's so ridiculous to put Tua in this early when he's coming off a hip injury. I do not understand in any way why you have to play him his first year. The Dolphins are probably, as you said, a playoff lock if Fitz is in that entire time. Fitz is playing some of his best football of his career the last two years, and you're going to bench him for a rookie quarterback just because Justin Herbert had a few hot weeks? I don't understand the rationale. This is part of why I used to be a huge Dolphins fan. They were my team before the Ravens became my team. Their ownership and how they run things is just so backwards that I completely have bailed and leaned into other teams. So Marcus Mariota looked good last week. The Dolphins have now got a weaker tape on him. They know how Gruden's going to be playing him. Mariota ran for 88 yards on nine carries. Eight of those runs resulted in a first down, which was absolutely huge. So it wasn't just run the quarterback, run the quarterback. It was situational, and they ran him in great spots where they needed to. I think Marcus Mariota still has a place in this league. And I think the Raiders, if they want to run him for the rest of the season, they could get to the point where even if they don't want to go with Mariota next week, they could really bump up some trade value for him. I would do that. Who cares about Carr? You've been messing with Carr's head for a while. So keep Carr on the sidelines, play Mariota. I like the over even more if it's Mariota, to be honest, because that is at least something a little bit different than what Miami's had to go against. It's like a better version of the Patriots and Cam Newton from last week, which would scare me a little bit because they're somewhat prepared. But two different quarterbacks, even though the result in the end is supposed to be the same. Mariota could have really improved the last few years. It was his offense, his passiveness, and his injuries that kept him back. I never thought it was his talent. He was amazing at Oregon. Arm talent, athleticism, not the problem. It was just everything else. Now, Tua last week is the first rookie since 2013 to have beaten the Patriots. Ouch. Yeah. Now, the Dolphins have been heavily disrespected in the betting marketplace all season. This game, you would think if this was this exact same team, but this team was called the Seahawks instead of the Dolphins. This would be minus seven. Same players. This would be minus six and a half to minus seven. Yeah, I'd say six and a half. So that just shows you how Miami has been disrespected. People don't want to bet on them because of their previous failings over the last few years. And it really shows that there could be some value. I'm one of those people, even though I have the 
Dolphins minus three right now who will not put any money on it to actually happen. I just don't like betting on rookie quarterbacks with interesting offensive lines. It's just too much trick or treat. They've really won with their defense instead of their offense, which I always worry about as well when I've been on teams, you know, like the Bears and the Ravens, et cetera, throughout the years. I like to bet on teams spread-wise that can actually move the ball, or you're just in for a bad time. And it seems like a hard Christmas if you're going to put too much on Tua, which is part of why I like the I like the minus and I like the over. Really like the over, but, yeah, probably not going to go too hard. I'm going to take my San Fran Arizona winnings and use it the next day. So player props in this one. Hunter Renfro gets a great matchup for the Raiders getting in that slot. Obviously, you've got Byron Jones and you have Xavier Howard on the outside. So anyone who goes up against Nick Needham in that slot is always going to have the better part of the matchup. Darren Waller is an absolute beast at the moment. If it's Marcus Mariota, Mariota just looked for Waller. That's all he did. He ran the ball and looked for Waller. So if it's Mariota again, get on to some Darren Waller receptions props. That could be absolutely brilliant. Part of why I like Mariota in this game for the Raiders, I might even go harder Mariota than Carr, which is interesting. Now, for the Dolphins... I like the running back matchup. Need to wait and see who is going to be that lead running back. If Miles Gaskin's going to be in or if it's going to be Ahmed, we should have a bit more information coming up closer to game day. But whoever gets that lead running back role, just take them to the house. It's so interesting because they're both not very good, but doesn't really matter who it is. Just put them in. No, Raiders have up. nothing up front. Well, that does it for another episode of the Bigger Pell Collective. Thank you for listening. We are, of course, brought to you in association with Black Swan Bets. Get on to blackswanbets.com to take advantage of their great tips and offers. And, of course, all of our best bets. We hope you enjoyed our content. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our Facebook page so we can continue to bring you more amazing videos. Merry Christmas, everybody.